called? I'm called the Jesse James. Jesse, aka the Bizzle. Yo, the Bizzle. Thank you. <laughs> the Bizzle. Thank you, the Bizzle. Yeah. The Bizzle. I'm gonna keep saying it. Uh, you know, if, if, uh, with almost no exceptions, the main 15 to 20 characters um, I see and hear them in the books when I read, as in the show. And so, um, you know, I, I tend to, when material goes a little weird, I tend to blame writers and directors and showrunners and not the actors. And the fact that the actors all eventually hit their stride, uh, 100% are close at one point or the other, um, and are the, act- the people I think in my head and want to think when I read and listen to the Expanse books it just shows how great they were cast and uh, this should be quite an episode I'm trying to decide if I should listen to this uh, loud or not okay here we go season 1 episode 8 salvage uh, belt transit ferry en route to arrow station and this is where all hell becomes hell <laughs> and the countdown 3 2 1 and go 1 2 Three, four, five. Okay. So I'm trying to remember when the medical stuff is revealed for what it is and how bad it really is. Um, And so I'm going to say it at some point when it gets really gross. This whole proto-molecule thing. Oh, there's the, uh, the Mormon who they stole the ship, the behemoth from. Maybe not yet. This is actually Miller's for Simon Space, even though he tries to act like he's not even from the series. Agoraphobia. Hmm. There's a whole thing with Bobby Draper in uh, book two. She's from Mars. The first time she goes to, you know, a totally open place on Earth, she, like, totally psychologically freaks out. She can't handle the sky and the horizon. Creepy religious guy. If you identify the fear, you can get past it. He's trying to help him with fear. And no, you should always be suspicious of these guys. Fear is a human thing. Yeah, salesman, exactly. Oh, yes. See, in my head, I, I just revisited this. We haven't talked about the Naboo yet. So the Mormons are going to be the first ones to take a major colony ship that's preparing them for hundreds of years, potentially, to spread Mormonism. And they're going to be the first ones. <laughs> But they don't even get past Fred Johnson, who steals their ship. We'll get there. Oh, here's Jesus Christ. God damn it. Look, guys, I respect all religions, but as a Jewish person in a Christian area, being asked about Jesus Christ all the time was really exhausting. (laughs) Even though I agree with the, the dude's message. Beyond for 100 years, right? He's explained the colony ship. What happens when you get out there and there's nothing? He's gonna say the whole universe is nothing, maybe, right? It, it, it's all nothing, anyways. Mm hmm. What does the preacher say? Can't come back. Mm hmm. He's already gone and gone and gone. So there is religious talk in the book, so I'm cool with this, even though I don't remember this particular one. Um, but whether this guy is real or not, this is an internal dialogue that Miller has or needs to have. 
Right, truth, faith is a risk. That's the whole Kierkegaard notion. Is he going to quote Kierkegaard? Dad, if you're listening to this, I don't know how you don't like Thomas Jane. He's amazing. Um, but that's what Kierkegaard said, you know, the, the leap of faith. All right, you may be getting at the right time. He can sense the proto-molecules, evil power. And maybe, maybe the Mormons are the only ones to escape. All right, here we go. Eros. They got the lead from Fred Johnson, who admitted that it was a fake name, but doesn't know what it is. Fred ends up being a good guy in this. Anderson Dawes. Bad. I love how casually they just put the headphones in the air, which is exactly how they act with stuff in the float in the book. How did the... Accurately taking every effort to be near Naomi in any capacity, mostly to embarrass himself and, and therefore endear himself. Thrusters. Alex is starting to get real comfortable. When he starts doing the Sims, it's awesome. He becomes fucking hardcore shit. And they all become. Naomi becomes the number one hero of the Bell, and Alex becomes the hero of Mars. No, oh, I love this scary, creepy sci-fi stuff. Moon is one of my favorite movies ever. It might have been the first commentary I ever did. I wish I recorded it. <laughs> Decent sound. Sorry, guys. It's that weird time of the late night. Oh, I'm really nervous. Oh, God. Here comes the vomit of zombies. So there are a few episodes where they go straight horror. But they have to because they do in the book. So you're going to keep asking yourself, with all these infected people, we know Julie was one of the first, but even if she was the first, who cares? You're going to keep asking yourself that. And so I'm going to explain it to you guys right now. Julie was the first. It may or may not have anything to do that she's a Mao, the rich family that's behind all this, her evil dad. But she was the first, and it matters that it's her, and that she's the first. And they, it, she's chosen, and that's where the crazy spiritual themes come in. Okay, this is great. Look at this. This is exactly how a giant religious uh, colonizing uh, epic adventure, as they see it. You know, they'd have gold statues on the spaceships and stuff. Major penis problems, as uh, Avrasarala would say. Okay, Tycho. Here's Fred. He's looking. So, you know. Again, totally non-spoiler alert. In the end, Fred is almost always on the right side, even if he briefly argues for the wrong thing. And so, when you watch Chad Johnson's uh, performance, Chad Coleman's performance as Fred, so far it's completely on point with if I had never seen this before, I might be suspicious of this guy, but knowing Fred Johnson, this is exactly right. <laughs> I think they did this thing with the camera of the eye just to get funny shots of Holden. He's gonna say, oh, you're not the kind of guy who shoots, right? He's gonna say that, I bet you anything. No, no, he didn't. I guess he's supposed to be like a cipher type character. When he slinks, limps around. EMF reflection zero. So there's a stealth tech. Right. Right. 
So, look, guys, I don't want to dwell too long, because here's the situation of what we know, or mostly know by now. There's stealth tech, there's alien tech, there's a corporation with governments behind all of it, and we don't know if they know what the hell they're doing. Here's the spying. Here's the spying. This could be from Avasala, Avasarala, this could be from Aaron Wright, could be from both. He's blaming them, just like the Martians. They all they all they blame the Rosanante for doing the opposite of what they're doing. Yep, survivors and answers. Mm-hmm. I wonder if they added minutes, because all these episodes are like forty-four minutes, which is a little long for sci-fi. We got guns of our own. Naomi hates guns, by the way, even though she can be a vicious fighter and she's an amazing tactician. And it's, it's, it's <laughs> Alex is looking for an excuse to cap this guy. He's already offered to do it to Holden. Ah, uh, they still haven't solved the murder issue. That's really interesting. Sure, thanks, Skipper. Yeah, these these, uh, you know. This whole Holden, uh, Holden trying to be threatening at all to Amos in a realistic way, but Amos, you know, actually threatening Cat back. Uh, it's, uh, it's not necessary, but, uh, and, uh, you know, I love watching these actors, and all the shots look great so far. It's, look, as soon as they go science and sci-fi, it's fantastic. And you can tell that's what they focused on. Not because they didn't care about the writing, but I think they thought they had as good of a handle on the writing as they did on the aesthetics and, uh, and the effects and, and the science, and they actually didn't. It's harder. Writing is harder than special effects. So, watch episode 9. <laughs> That's the other thing about West Chatham as Amos. Now, Alex sounds exactly like Alex, but there's something about this Amos over the speaker that sounds extra um, menacing, but it can also be, especially, again, once the family has fully come together after the first season or two, it could just be him screwing with them, which is even now probably what's going on. I don't think Amos really wants to kill Holden. He knows Naomi loves Holden. Why can't kill Holden? He just does it because he knows he can get to him. Somebody got spaced. See how they're shooting all angular, right up on them with crazy lighting, all sorts of angles. You don't even know who some of the characters are with the lights. This is just a masterwork in, in sci-fi. Uh, um, could This could turn into terror and terrorize me. Um, but certainly the sort of sci-fi horror aesthetic... Uh, Take notes, kids. Oh my god, this is so scary. I'm gonna turn it down and it's gonna scare me more. Somebody's gonna float down there. I can't even handle it. The latch is broken from the inside. This can't have been Julie Mao again, can it? 
He's sensing something. Yeah, Alex. And he's in that scene. He's like a totally different dude. He doesn't feel fully alive. Oh god, I can't wait. I gotta take my earphones off. Even knowing this mu music by heart is just making it even more terrifying. Because I know where the jump's going to be. Ah, the scopuli. That's where it all began. That's where it all began. Mm-hmm. They seeded them on scopuli, and they planted them on Eros. This is the plant chip. This is the mothership. I don't believe that's correct, actually. It's the same stealth tech peep, peeps, but I don't think it's actually Aerostation. They had actual ships. I think. That's such an Aomi thing to say. Let's check engineering. I'll go with you. I'm looking for any excuse to be near Naomi. I love it. He's so smitten with Naomi. It never changes. If anything, the older they get, you know, the grayer and wrinkler she gets, the more he's smitten by her. As a human being, her brain and her heart are just gigantic. He doesn't think he can ever live up. And so he becomes a spiritual figure for much of the three main uh, you know, nations. But she is actually the spiritual leader because she's his spiritual leader. Do just fine. Alright, what do we got here? I'm just really nervous, guys. I'm really nervous because... The staging of, of the actual sort of lead up to the fights and the fights, main gunfights coming up in particular, the staging is like ripped straight from the pages. Even though they don't say, you know, he turns right, he shots one bullet, you know, shoots one bullet, turns left, shoots another one. But they, they basically convey it in the book as if it were a map and they just lay it down like. A tracing sheet. Why did you sign into the can? So I wouldn't have to have conversations like this one. Oh man, man that's so Naomi. He loves when he, she gives him a hard time. He wants her. It's like all great relationships. You have to not only love that the other person gives you a hard time, but love that they're doing it and love how they're doing it. There's going to be something scary here. So I'm just going to talk about watching this super late night with all the lights off. But there's that, just that love and gentleness on Naomi's face. Uh, when they ever stray too far from it, especially if it's for mustache twirling reasons, I just remember never buying it, feeling like it was a disservice to the actress. And she's in her element here being sweet Naomi, despite all the complications. But or that's the other thing. They played the long game with Naomi because they knew that her past didn't come out till like four, five, and six, and now we're getting it as the final story with Marco and and Philip, her son. Folks, I do believe somebody got away. So I don't know what the conversation was between the writers, the TV people, the actors, the audiobook r r reader Jefferson Mays. 
you know, he does Avasarala straight up Indian as opposed to a Persian playing an Indian, so it sounds like a different character, which is super fun. Holden is more of sort of a loose hippie. Um, Amos is very similar, and Alex is exactly the same. I wonder if there was an agreement, even if it was unspoken, between everyone involved with what Alex sounds like in this show and elsewhere, that that, that was just going to be Alex. He's the one character that's exactly the same, and you just never want to stop. I sometimes just listen to the Alex chapters, and the, especially in the later books where he's a more complicated and, and uh, aged and experienced character. So this is this is so also atmospheric in the book that you forget about the details, and so. I, they could be spoon-feeding me exactly what happened here or a completely different vision because this is what it feels like. This is when actually the book is lighter tone that sometimes doesn't mix in the early books. If I have any complaints about the Expanse books early on, <clears throat> like with Joss Whedon, occasionally the serious and funny tones don't mix exactly right and come at the right time. Um <clears throat> They're actually very consistent with that in this show. And again, if anything, air a little too much on the, the, the serious tone because they know they can nail it, even though it's... Uh-oh. What the fuck is that? Are we going to get straight-up vomit zombies? They call them vomit zombies in the book, too. It's so funny. They're completely self-conscious. <clears throat> what the hell is that? So, you know, here we go. The, the 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 true good admiral. Spoiler alert! Through the series, I don't know how long they're gonna have him live. Is, is Souther? He's always the one. He's not the smartest. He's a terrible politician. But he he's Avicerala's guy, and that proves how good. She is deep down. It's that even though he insults her and gives her a hard time, their their bond is is an important clue. And Tycho's an Earth Corp. Oh uh, yeah, yeah. There's no way Fred Johnson does that. James Holden. Here we go. Mm-hmm. Right. I'll turn to a martyr. He's not even trying to hide the minor evilness, which hides the greater evilness. That, that, that's Aaron Wright with very little page time and screen time. He actually has more screen time relatively than page time. It ends up being a very interesting character. Also, because he flips pretty quickly on the rogue generals. Took his own life. Yeah, right. No, he's just not buying that. Look at that look. I'm so sorry. Who took her own life? Oh, I totally missed that. You took her own life. Someone important, obviously. So she's been on to, to Aaron, right? And, and in the book, too, though it takes place later and manifests differently, the the dynamic is overall the same, that she's expecting reasons for Aaron Wright to betray her, and it's just a question of how far will he go. 
And he goes way further and straight up threatening her life than she thinks he'll ever go. And a very funny moment where she gives Bobby permission <laughs> to say, I told you so, about how bad the situation really was when she thought she had it under control. That's great. But Bobby, if you ever going to tell me I told you so, now would be the time. That's a terrible accent, but the booby, booby, I, I, I could just listen to her, her doing the Indian booby forever. She loves her booby. It's her adoptive daughter. It's, it's her favorite daughter, actually. Right, so this guy keeps trying to help. They never end up killing him. There's all this threatening, and then he's just a sacrificial lamb to the, the, the proto-molecule for why at the end of all of this. This, this actor's not interesting to watch. It's, you know, totally miscast, bringing nothing to the table other than Amos. I mean, even Amos can't be fully threatening through through the acting. I mean, because the, the guy's both uninteresting and unthreatening. Uh, He's uninteresting to threaten and unthreatening. So here's where they use some green screen, save a little Monet. Now they're dangling them from this, this, whatever, maybe. So when do they figure that the vomiting and the zombies are bad and they can't touch it? So, one of the many brilliant things, and I'm not going to ruin five books 5, 6, 7, and 8, um, is that this story does lead directly, even though it takes place many years later in a much different scenario, these events lead to the events of the final couple books. Yeah, and you miss. Um, but specifically that they're just casually taking things like stealth tech from alien technology they know is billions of years old and they have no control over and creates vomit zombies, um, and they don't care. The rich people behind the scenes, the, or I should say the powerful people behind the scenes who are obsessed with this ancient alien science, which is a science fiction trope, but done as well in the expanse as anything that's ever been written, um, especially how it would affect a solar system and its descendants over a long period. And these guys are just getting a taste of how insane this all is. Right, why would he just leave? Navs. Okay, so yeah, so they, they aren't at Eros. I, I, I was right slash wrong. The asteroid on the way, right? Which is why they haven't seen the full vomit zombies yet. It gets really bad. So, you know, it's really ugly and weird looking, but the fact that uh, a biological thing from billions of years ago would instantly be attracted to humans who are the most advanced biological beings in the area makes total sense. And the fact that, that it's scary and ugly uh, is totally a human um, mental, you know, perception. You know, it could be flowers and rainbows and another, another universe, I suppose. Uh-oh. Yeah. What's cool is, uh, unlike, you know, Kaylee as the sweet engineer and, uh, uh, who I love, and Firefly, not only is Naomi way more complicated 
both personally in the in the greater mythos of where this is all headed, which is what I was sort of hinting at before. So it's headed towards Naomi's legacy. <clears throat> but we, 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 you know, it's not just engines. We learn that she's basically smart at everything as it goes along. And she's just too. Amos knows, you know, Amos knows, so he's not going to say anything. Alex is too busy flying, and Jim is just amazed with her as a spectacular uh, specimen of, of human being, of Homo sapiens. Oh, the music. Mm. So I was going to say if they added any to the first three seasons uh, and bringing it to Amazon in addition to putting it on 4K or cutting some of the commercial breaks out or so forth. Right, this whole long, supposed long play of helping them with contacts, it's not convincing, they would never do it, and it doesn't lead to anything. This is not a good test of, of Holden's leadership. He would have spent two seconds with this guy. And he makes up to you. Do it. Mm. Oh. Yeah, I'm wrong. I'm wrong. They've already decided the, the the correct course of action, which is destroy this horrible monstrosity, and he's trying to stop because he's ultimately through the evil government working for the eviler, uh, more powerful corporations. There they go. Torpedo. Boom. It moves so it can't get hit in its initial trajectory, and boom. Here's the problem they learn, is the bigger planets, planetoids and asteroids that have this thing, you can't just blow up even with nukes because it'll just scatter, and I think this is scattering, and it's a problem. This is a big problem. Uh, or maybe they don't see it yet. Remember they can't. By the way, interestingly, the creole uh, I always refer to with the belters is actually called a cant, uh, which is another word for creole, but the official word is uh, the belter cant. Uh, Canterbury is interesting. Obviously, I didn't even mention Canterbury, Canterbury Tales. Uh, obvious, <laughs> you know, uh, smart literary reference for your spaceship in the first episode. Okay, so from here on out, everyone is either infected or about to be infected on purpose. Millions of people who aren't going to be allowed, they're going to be tricked into the equivalent of mass graves like Jews and the gypsies in in the Holocaust and so forth. They're basically going to be tricked into mass graves. But even worse, instead of just dying, being infected on purpose with the proto-molecule, the blue vomit zombie stuff, as a test of Julie Mao's dad, Jules Pierre Mao, and a coalition of the shadow corporate government and the various shadow governments of the three major powers. That's exactly what's going to happen. It's that simple, and that... Disgusting and horrifying. The Anubis, my ship, right? Maybe people th- I just think he's he over delivers. I can't I can't figure out anything less than absolute love and adoration, Father uh, Bizzle for uh, 
This man, Thomas Jane, is leading to a fight. It's going to be some trouble. So remember, it's in the air, guys. It's in the recycler. So even if they haven't physically touched the there's no going back when you touch this molecule, it could easily be in his lungs. And uh, as we're going to see, through luck, uh, will, and some unpredictable uh, meta-historical occurrences, the only two people to survive Eros even though they are irradiated for life uh, when they need cancer meds forever, are this guy and, uh, and Holden. Here it is. Right, so it, I believe in the book... Oh, he's, uh, he's booked. This is where he calls in the favor with Art from uh, Orphan Black, I think. Yeah, here he is. He's much better in the smaller role. Um, but it actually is heartbreaking is if you've seen Orphan Black b- before this, because uh, he gets murdered by Amos in a way that you can argue against or for in a couple episodes in a very tense scene. And uh, while, again, not super clutch or super great at Orphan Black, he is really sweet and lovable. To see him just get blowed away is uh, is brutal. Especially because he's one of the only guys... And maybe the only guy that we've seen Thomas Jane look right in the eye and treat just through the look and the talk as an equal. Look at the two, these two making eye contact. Where's my damn hat? <laughs> They're making fun of that. So, anyways, so in the book, um, it's a. As I was saying, it's important that Miller has the hat because he specifically has identified that the Rosinanti crew, like the actual Rosinanti crew, is who he's been looking for as part of the Julie Mao thing the whole time. They recognize that something we were doing on there's a guy with a hat following them, uh, but he ends up saving their life in a giant gunfight. And I believe that's how it mostly unfolds here. It's important that he saves their lives because they mostly don't like him for a while. Yeah, they're again the creepiness. You know, they're like stressing. They're like he's like almost like a pedophile or something. Unless I misread the public cameras. Oh right, okay. So here's what happens. There was a discovery Miller made also, uh, or was told about that I didn't mention when he was still on series, which is that all of their police riot gear just disappeared and has been brought to the station. They're collecting riot gear from all the stations. Even the police are going to be stuck in this hellhole just like in Children of Men when they bombed the refugee camp. So Star Helix is one of Mao's shadow corporations. And so they're, you know, basically replacing real cops uh, with, you know, private mercenaries who are not only much more likely and don't care that much about shooting civilians, but are going to also be implicated physically and suffer the, the, the horror of the situation. Still going to pull on that thread. Yeah. This is the first time he's really leveled with a guy he equally respects. I never noticed that before. It enhances Kevin Hantrude's character, uh, Sematimba. 
And Samba Timbo does try and bail him out in the book. I don't know if he gets blowed away. I believe in her. The spiritualism of Julie Mao, like I said, gets weirder with like some kissing physically at the end of all this. Uh, but the spirituality of it is actually transmuted as a experiencer, uh, as a viewer slash watcher, wrestling reader. It's it, it's almost best experienced this way. Just just the, the the bizarre mysticism with the blue and the visions and everything. Up, oh, he's got it. Lionel Polanski, right? And that's exactly. So this is the connection. If they haven't mentioned it already with the Lionel Polanski, this is, connects him directly to the Rosinanti. I believe the shootout's coming up up here. So, in, in the book, I don't think he's met Samatimba yet, and then after the shootout, he calls Samatimba, and he says, Hey, buddy, remember how I said I wasn't going to do anything too crazy? Uh, I was just in a giant shootout, and there's a lot of dead people here. I kind of need the help. Here's Fred. So what's Tycho doing during all this time? Friend doing a little uh, investigation? Okay, so this Asian woman, Ellie Chung, is playing Sam Rosenberg, which is totally cool. It's important in the book that Sam Rosenberg is a small Jewish redheaded uh, Kelly type, you know, a, a, a peppy engineer genius that everybody loves and then gets murdered and rallies the people. Uh... So I'm not going to complain about a young Asian woman getting a cool role. Um, but after they go so loyal of all the characters, uh, you know, at least their vague backgrounds, to not have a short, red-headed, perky uh, Sam Rosenberg who's going to die. This guy is so annoying. You almost want them to kill him because he's annoying. I wonder if this that's what this is about. Look at that face and his talking. I wonder if this is one of those, they're like with the hat, but on a different level. They're playing with the audience. They're playing with us. This guy, Alice, Elias to, to effects, who plays Kenzo or whatever with his stupid eye. It doesn't do anything. Blue Falcon. It's not going to translate to anybody. This is it. This is it. The shootout that's about to happen here that you don't think is going to happen, the staging, and when I talk about staging, the movement of the people, forget about the spy, where everybody else is good, bad, and otherwise is standing, how they're standing, their level of fear, their level of suspicion, their level of preparation, it, it's straight from the book. Amos is the first one to realize that this thing that shouldn't be a shootout, there's more going on. And that's why they had that scene earlier where he told the guy about the knife. Alex, of course, has no clue. Alex is clueless and is, again, traumatized after all his gains. Amos is is, is uh, clocking the room big time. You know, yeah, this is, uh, this is so great. This is why you need Amos. This is why you need Starbuck. Naomi gets distracted. Amos knows. He can smell it. He, he, can, he can feel the violence. It's a it's it's a really interesting thing and it informs his relationship with some with with characters too. It's not just like a former ghost. Here we go, Lionel Plansky. Here it comes. Here it comes because it's Julie Mao and Julie Mao is the seed of creation for these. It's his birthday. Oh boy. 
Amos is clocked at least two thirds, I think, at this point. That's along with Miller, only reason they survive. Yeah, this is like cap in the elevator. You can start to see the the training here. This look like K- KGB. Uh oh, here comes the violence. First time we've seen Holden smile in a while. Of course, in a <laughs> non-smiley situation. I can't tell them to get super loud. I think this can get super loud. Oh yeah, here come all the thugs. Yeah, this looks like this looks like you know Peaky Blinders. It's a little weird that Naomi's so b- behind on this. That's why she needs Amos, despite his bullshit. Here comes Amos's. Amos carries a giant like auto shotgun, and the here it goes boom. So he tries to shoot the spy. So the spy sets the whole thing off, which which ruins the whole point of this. Which is you know. You don't need the spy. It's the Lionel Polanski people trying to guard Julie, but they have no idea what they're doing because they're hired mercs. Miller's going to put that together after he saves their fucking lives. Yeah, it's still the sort of compressed gun sound of, of Battlestar. It's interesting. I don't know if that's a, a network thing. Make them sound 20% less like actual horrifying guns. So forget about the spy. This is just the Lionel Plansky thugs versus the the Russies. Oh yeah, yeah man. If Miller and Amos could actually spend time murdering bad guys together, Amos smiling, amiable Amos. It's always the amiable smile. There's certain certain things they repeat in the books that you want. The amiable Amos smiles one of them. Miller. He's not a bad guy. James Holden. Right. He's been researching Holden too the whole time. Shit, just don't shit follow you around, kid. That's funny. Are you a cop? This is straight from the book. He said he used to be, maybe. Not anymore. Interesting. We get a little postscript here. Thanks for the assist. Anybody else know that you're coming? No. Except for Fred Johnson, unfortunately. No, and hit the transceivers. It's the guy's eye. Yeah, it's Kenzo. He's, he's just there. Right, he does this and the thing. Simbensky or whatever Art's name is, he goes right to him to clean this up. And he, I think he does. This is it, guys. This is it. This is where the series gets real, or the series gets classic, and they do this whole last third of this episode just well enough. And but with Julie, with the thing in her mouth and everything, that they, the first of many. Like like sort of major single moment end of episode tests in my opinion and this other than the Mars uh, uh, Donagers escape is this scene and because they they nail the fact that everyone's getting sick but then you see Julie and 
and they just met Miller, and they instantly are, there's you know there's some mutual wavelength action going on. Here we go. I'm nervous. Holden is a good fighter. That's important. Miller just kicks it down. There's some funny parts where, like, Holden just forgets to aim, and then he just blows away a bunch of bad guys. Oh, here's the smell. Okay, so this is it. I don't know if they ever definitively say that Julie's the first, and that it's important that she's the first, but she is, guys. Julie Mao. Runaway daughter of the man behind all this horror that we've only just seen. Scapuli. Oh, God, this is so horrifying. I can't believe I'm watching this in the middle of the night. Actually, I kind of can. This is sort of the weird stuff I do. So thanks for joining me, because I'm going to do a hard out, I think, in this episode. This is it. This and the next couple episodes, you're either in or you're, you're not. No. They're turning things off. Yep. They learn that radiation's... No, yeah. They learn that radiation's a thing. Yeah, they're already trying to save Miller's life. He's this crazy guy. There it is. His whole life for, like, the last two years, this girl. And this is it. But it's not the end for Julie Mao. It's the beginning. Yeah. Julie, this series is way more spiritual. I mean, you look at this, you're like, this is, this is the worst. This girl, th this this has got to be the most horrifying thing. And which is worse, Julie, who's suffered it but probably doesn't remember or, or experienced it, or him. Man, that's crazy. So this is it, guys. It's a run through uh, the the Eros station, which is again is is you know by far the turning point of Leviathan Wakes and the entire series in the first book. And then it's on to season two to finish this great arc. Thank you so much for joining me. That was episode eight of season one of the Expanse Salvage. We got Critical Mass and then Leviathan Wakes. So for now, be healthy, be happy. Thanks for joining me. May the force be with you. But the Bizzlecast is out.